It is All Request Friday here on First Up, the second hour of the program here on TSN 1050. We stream worldwide, tsn1050.ca, and the iHeartRadio Canada app. Thunderstruck ACDC request from Kyle from Burlington, who will be celebrating his birthday tomorrow yeah. night. And this is the weekend to have a birthday because it's a long weekend. You could do it on Friday night. Saturday oh night, God. Sunday night, whenever. Doesn't matter because you've got a number of options, Coco. You to just party made it my up. Day. I forgot that Monday's <laughs> a holiday. That's incredible. Please, snow, freezing rain, go away. We nobody so, wants you. Nobody likes um, you. Go away. As far as family day goes, here at Bell, our parent company at TSN, it didn't used to be a holiday because Bell is based in Montreal. And for whatever reason, we didn't acknowledge it, but I guess. The top dogs at uh, TSN, Bellevue, are like, up. you know what? <laughs> it's like, all right, you know what? Carlo and Aaron can have Monday off. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of the station, but at least we are not on Monday. But we're going to make up for our absence on Monday with three exceptional hours of sports radio. And I sat on my couch for six exceptional hours of PGA Tour watching yesterday, Coco, which was followed up by... Almost finishing full swing on Netflix. Wow. Full Can golf you tell? Day, eh? I have an obsession with golf, and I am loving full swing. I thought the first episode was good, and we're not going to give spoilers. I mean, this is not mm. like it's The Sopranos or The Wire. It's, it's, a, it's a show. It's almost a documentary. Take you behind the scenes of the PGA Tour. But I don't know how far along you are right now. I am through, I believe, six episodes. I finished the Colin Morikawa one before I went to sleep last night. I think it's awesome, so, man. I think it's so, so it's, good. And I, I, I think I'm, I just started the fourth episode with Matt Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. That's and a great one. So is is every episode just basically, uh, you know, a day in the life of another golfer? Is that not, not a day in the life? Generally, they, they they try to tailor them around the major championships, okay. and then they like you know Matthew Fitzpatrick won a he major last open. year, and it, yeah. Yeah, it just takes. Oh, remember that tournament with you and I in our pool? Zalatoris, <laughs> yeah. Well, we still won. We still won. Tiebreaker doesn't matter. Still, still won. won. That was something special with the Matthew Fitzpatrick bunker shot on eighteen, and that is documented throughout uh, that, that particular episode. I, I thought it was awesome, and uh, the the Brooks Kepka one. Still was my favorite because Brooks Kepka. I mean, we may never see him again. This is a guy who was the best player in the world, won four majors in two-plus years, was dominant, dominant every time he teed it, and he just has no confidence. Like, you, you, you hear him say it. You hear him admit it. This is a guy who's sitting with his super uh, or supermodel wife in one of the nicest houses you'll ever see in Jupiter, Florida, and he is utterly miserable, and yeah. it's because he can't compete at the level he used to compete at. And I think there was a, almost a humanization of Brooks Kepka here where, you know, if you play golf or any sport, I mean, you live this as a hockey player, there's probably been moments where you're sitting there, you're like, I just don't have it right now. I can't figure it out. I'm getting dangled and scored on all the time. I'm dash two seemingly night after night, and I'm struggling. And it makes you, it makes you question, even like speaking for me as a broadcaster, some days I'm like, man, I was terrible today. I, I'm chewing up my words, and I'm like, maybe I've lost it. <laughs> maybe I've just lost today? my ability to talk. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I couldn't even say Rory McIlroy's name about seven minutes ago. But I, I love the Kepka episode because it takes you behind the scenes and the psyche of a professional athlete and what they endure. And, and I think you could speak to it as well as anybody because I, I thought it was great. And I've had many a very of those unique, days, buddy. Yeah, a very many unique vantage days. point. 
I remember um, I ended up taking a shot in the face, and I ended up losing my vision for close to close to a week, and it was a very serious injury. And I remember coming back from it. I was told by the doctors, "You have to play the rest of the season with a cage on your on your on your helmet, or because if you suffer another injury close to that spot of your face, your eye, you could potentially be facing life threatening injury." So I'm like, "Okay, I want to play hockey. I don't want to get hit in my eye again. I have to wear a cage." And I remember coming back. And I could not play with this thing on my face. I could not like I, I was like, I I suck as a hockey player. I can't stick handle. I can't shoot. I can't see the puck. I can't make a pass. I can't do anything. To the point where I literally, like, pulled my coach aside after before a pregame skate. And I said, "Look, obviously you've seen me play the last couple of games. It's been a real struggle for me." I I don't feel like myself out there. I'm struggling like hell. I don't know what to do. Every I, I, it just seems like I get on the ice and we get scored on, it and I have nothing to do with it. There's just so much bad going on right now. And he goes, "Don't be so hard on yourself, man. You know, I understand you're not playing like yourself, but what do you think the reason is?" And I literally had my helmet in my it's hand, cage, and man. I go, "It's, it's this. It's this. I can't <laughs> play with this thing on. I hate. This I need thing. to take this off." And he's like, "Well, why don't you take it off?" I said, "Because the doctors told me I cannot." <laughs> the play. coach didn't know. The coach didn't know why no. you were wearing a cage. He did. Well, <laughs> he possible. knew why, but he didn't know that I was still wearing it. This was like oh, a okay. month into me coming back, and I'm like just beating the crap out of myself. And he's like, "Well." Why don't you try wearing one of those like longer visors? And I'm like, you know what? That's actually a great idea. I actually wore like one of the Danny Heatley visors, Ooh. the ones that covers your full face, and I finished the rest of the season with that. But at least the thing about that, I knew my face was covered, but I could see underneath me because it was like um, I put that on it, and literally the next game I was like, holy crap. I've been missing out on this the whole month. <laughs> like, what was I doing? I'm, I well, feel like myself again. I can make a pass. I can take a pass. I can handle the puck. It was, it was amazing. I, I can't believe it was your coach who suggested that, not one of the trainers. I mean, like, come right? on, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, no I, and I hated that Christmas. coach. I hated that coach. I'm not even going to say his name because I hated him. He was one of my worst coaches ever. Well, I can guarantee you Brooks Kepka's feelings in the second episode of Full Swing, what you just mentioned, those are sentiments that unquestionably have been felt by Tiger Woods, not only in the last year or so, but probably over the last 10, 12 years, all the injuries, all the off-the-course drama, and the returns, and then the subsequent car crash, and the back surgeries, and the leg is all mangled, and... Just seeing him tee it up yesterday at Riviera in the first round, first time we'd seen him in 200-plus days, it was special, man. It really was special, and I think we can all acknowledge we don't know how long or how many more opportunities we're going to get to see Tiger Woods competing on the PGA Tour because his leg is just not its not like your leg or my leg. I mean, he's got a robotic leg in there and a very serious car crash, that one that almost cost him his life. So you see him out there playing with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy, his two buddies, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and I thought it was exceptional theater, including the end, where Tiger birdied 16, 17, and 18. 18. And it was, yes. what was crazy about 18 is that JT, 
knocks one in from off the green for, for birdie. Tiger rolls in like a 15-footer for birdie, and then Rory drains a birdie on top of Tiger. So it was an amazing finish, and the fans down there at Riviera were going insane. Here is Tiger Woods on the support he was getting. It was nice that uh, I had this unbelievable pairing, two great guys, two great friends, and the atmosphere was fantastic. The, the people were obviously very supportive. They were just cheering all of us on, which was great, and uh, it just made this whole this tournament better, and uh, I happened to actually hit some, some good shots finally, and um, made a couple of putts, and uh, even though I had a little mishap at, at 10, I was able to fight back and kind of get it going, and it was a nice finish. Tiger is two under par. He tees off early this morning, and well, I guess be in early this morning in California. So you you kind of look at it from Eastern time. It'll probably be I don't know what ten thirty, ten forty five. We'll look and get the exact time a little bit later. But he probably needs to shoot maybe even par, maybe one under to make the cut. Yeah. And I think he's more than capable of doing that. Was well, it top but, fifty or top sixty make the cut? No, it's. it's I, I couldn't tell you exactly. It's a cut line. I mean, it's not like the, It's not like it's the match. I know, but they different. usually measure the cut line of the top fifty, top sixty players, right? Uh, I think it's one hundred twenty-five in the tournament. Probably be around top sixty, yeah. top sixty-five, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll see how it goes for him today. I'm optimistic, and I think you have to be optimistic. Watching Tiger yesterday, number one, I thought his gait, the way he walks, was a little bit normal compared to what we saw from him in the past. And two, the guy was smashing drives past Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas with regularity. Do they get so much tested so. in the PGA Tour? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, there have, there have been questions about Tiger in that, in that front many times. Here's McIlroy talking about some adjustments he might have to make in lieu of Tiger's just long bombing. Tiger uh, hit a couple past you guys. Speed I know, was pretty I'm gonna good. Go work, I'm going to go work on the range. I, I put my driver up a click and loft at the start of the week. I might have to turn it back down again. I don't like him hitting it by me. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, no kidding. No wow. kidding. And Tiger just pounded. The 180 ball speed is really impressive. So, For a man who's 47, too, and has endured everything, it's amazing. So does that mean that he's going to play with JT and Rory today, too? Yes, yes. So he's playing with the same three guys today? Same two guys today, yeah. Sorry, two guys today. Wow, that's even more. That's even, even more better. I mean, they talk about like watching those three guys play again today, and I, I bet for Tiger, that has to be a very settling feeling too, knowing Agreed. that he's playing with two guys that are his closest friends on the tour, and he can play be a little more comfortable. I love the smirk he gave to JT on eighteen after he made that putt and basically said. Yeah, you guys counted me out, didn't you? Eh? I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And JT just couldn't. He basically shook his head. He's like, I, I really don't know what to say to this guy. This, he, he's really, he's back. He's absolutely back. And, and look, Tiger being back is the best thing to happen to golf. You hope that this wasn't just one round of him finding lightning in a bottle. And you really hope this is the level of play he can sustain over a four-day you know, uh, golf tournament. It's day one, put himself in a really great position, puts himself in another good position, playing with guys that he's really comfortable with today. Let's see how it plays out because I know I'll definitely be watching. Oh, I can't wait. And it was really cool to hear Tiger, well, not cool, but interesting to hear Tiger following the round, answer questions from the media about his recovery. And, you know, Rory McIlroy is 33 years old, probably going to hit drives after the round, pot, chip, you know, get ready to go. 
And Tiger's going and dealing with some serious rehabilitation, ice baths, this and that. So it's such a start. Is he still doing all disparity. that? Oh, yeah, man. You, you didn't see what he was talking about after the round? Yeah, he's talking about how he's ice, ice rest, ice rest. Just mm. I, I, they, he's, got, he's got a very extensive uh, like recovery today. He's got yeah, to tee up 14 hours from where he finished. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of work to do, does Tiger Woods. Right. And I'm sure, you know what else was interesting? He talked about how he's going to get a big lift in in the morning before his tea time. How? And I guess that's how he gets loose and his, gets his body functioning is he pounds the weights. And, I mean, Dude, I tried to his... get up for my coach yesterday to go to bed, and I thought I pulled a rib muscle in my back. <laughs> and this guy's well, doing workouts before a four-hour round? Yeah, oh, four-hour round. I mean, he's got, he's got a trudge around there. It's well, slow out there yesterday. Of, speaking of getting up from the couch, like last night was a movie night. And for for me and my wife, and we watched uh, Glass Onion on Netflix. Have you seen that with Edward Norton? I have, yes. Second one, right? Or the first one? Uh, is there two of them? Yes. Okay. There, 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 there's the, the newest. There's a new one. I think it's called Glass Onion, the first one, too. But, yeah, there's there's two of them. But the second one, uh, it's not called Glass Onion, apparently, according to Chrissy. But um, there's a, Anyways, it's, like a, it's the second one, yeah. I watched it, and... So the one thing I really struggle with lately is I watch so much sports almost every night. And when I get a movie night, I I find it really, really hard to stay awake for a movie. Even though the movie was like, it was a really like good movie. And like an hour into it, like I'm on my couch and my couch that I watch my movies on, it's just, it's, it's like heaven. It's like you lay on this thing and it's, it's impossible for me to stay awake, which is mistake number one for me. I got to stop watching movies on that couch. <laughs> but an hour into the movie, I'm thinking to myself, I'm just, I'm dozing off. I'm dozing off. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I need to go to bed because this is one of those nights where I actually can get a chance to go to bed early because there's no sports. I need to stay up late to watch. And I, I felt terrible because like my wife was so excited to watch a movie with me. And I'm like, Look, sorry, babe. I, I, I just, I just can't do this. I gotta get up and go to bed. I'm, I'm, I can't stay awake. And I just feel like, like that's where I'm at in my life right now. Where you're old. I, t- shut up, man. That's you're an, an old man. I'm 40 years old. I'm young. Yeah, still young. You're ancient. I can't believe I just said that. I'm 40 years old. Wow, what a reality check. <laughs> Anyways, I, I really struggle watching movies without falling asleep because I'm just so. I'm so like dialed into watching sports. I can't fall asleep when I'm watching sports. But the minute you put a movie on, I'm out like a light. I don't yeah, know what I, it is, man. It's it's like an attention span thing for me. You know, you, I turn on turn on a movie. I'm like, all right, is Marcus Morris going over eleven and a half points tonight for the LA Clippers? Hmm, <laughs> I gotta check that. A uh, couple yes. of texts coming in ten fifty fifty. The first one is Knives Out. So the Glass Onion will be the second one in the yet. Oh. In that. Okay. That series, I re- I love Knives Out. That was really good. And then the Glass Onion was the one that you were watching. Maybe you can watch Knives Out tonight with uh, with. Gina. I gotta finish maybe watching watch Glass the... Onion because I only got to yes. watch an hour of 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 the show because I just like I said I just started dozing off and I'm like I'm not fighting this. I'm going to bed. Like I'm sorry if my ma- my wife's gonna be mad at me because like <laughs> the one night we actually get a chance to watch a movie and we were both excited for it. I just I can't do it. Like and you said attention span. I I've become so used to. Watching four screens at once that literally I'm because my eyes are always circling and, you know, going to each screen. And 
when I try to watch one TV right now, it's like you said, my attention span just falls off and I fall asleep. It's I'm not proud of it. I actually hate it. Like I want to get back to like being the guy that can watch everything. But <laughs> somebody said that I somebody just texted in saying I got the nap trap coach. I think mm. I do. I yes. think I do. A new couch. A new couch. Mark Definitely not a new coach, you. but I need to find a different uh, uh, a different option right now. Tiger tees, tees off at 10.24 a.m. Eastern time again with McElroy and Thomas. So, yeah, just, what, three hours No, I think away. 10.24 local, 1.24 Eastern time is no, what this guy just no, texted that is, in. that is wrong. It's 10.24 a.m. Eastern time, 1.24 Pacific time is when Tiger Woods tees off. So, for us, Coco, we conclude today's program, and we settle in. Perfect timing to watch Tiger hopefully make the cut. We'll talk to Matthew Rudy of Golf Digest just after 9 o'clock about Tiger, his impressions of everything we saw from him in day one. How about Max Homa? I mean, the guy's a My superstar Homa, in the buddy. golf world. My Homa. He's, le- he's, he's almost an under-discussed aspect of the first round. He goes out and shoots 64, and he's just been one of the best players on tour, probably the third best player on tour, maybe fourth. You'd have Scheffler, McElroy, and John Rahm, and then probably Max Homa. It's been an amazing run Got for him. him. Plus 3,000, buddy. Plus 3, Max Homa was plus 3,000 to win that tournament? Yep, before the tournament wow. started. That is a, that is some significant value. What the hell was I doing? Why didn't I, I been? On that? You I, were I have loving. Thomas. You were loving Justin Thomas. <laughs> I have Thomas and Cantley. They're they're, they're both in the mix. Yeah. Three hundred. I got so, Cantley too. Yes, Patty Cantley. He could use a big performance. He always plays well at Riviera. So we'll see how that goes a little bit later today. Darren Dreger in about thirty minutes. All requests Friday continues as well. So keep firing those off to us. Ten fifty fifty. We'll play them as they come in. Karolnik Koliakovo. First up continues after this. A pigeon is someone you don't respect. Maybe a bit of a bench warmer. Pigeon. You're all pigeons. Ah! Filthy, filthy pigeons. Or peacock. I can, you can't keep me cooped up in here, okay? I am a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Ah! You just, you just call himself a peacock. I was a big-time pigeon for screwing up Pacific time versus Eastern time. There's one guy yeah. saying yeah. I arrogant. I arrogantly stated that 124 Pacific is not 1024 Eastern. To that texter, relax, buddy. It's Friday. It wasn't anything <laughs> arrogant about it. No, Thank you're you. a pigeon. <laughs> you're a pigeon. You're a schmuck, yes, too, I, according to some other I, people. I, on the text a line. schmuck and a pigeon. Man, people are really taking Eastern time versus Pacific time seriously. <laughs> I listen, can't believe listen, how many fellas. people were so eager to <laughs> we, correct you. We do you four hours that. of live radio. You're not going to get everything right. Sorry to break the news. Uh, on that front. But this Get is right, Pigeon AK. or Peacock. Right. Yes, um, it's a little confusing, a little bit confusing. I'm just excited to watch more Tiger. Um, also excited to welcome back our guy, Josh, a.k.a. ODP, OBP, <laughs> yes. I can't recall exactly what it is. we got to play that song. OBP, yeah. And I'm an ODP, yeah, you know me. That, that's my request for this Friday. I don't think how that song goes, but <laughs> well, we'll, 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 t- we'll check it out. So, Josh, this is Pigeon or Peacock. Uh, you know how it works. You lay out a situation, and we determine if the person or people in question are pigeons, that's not a good term, or peacocks, which is quite endearing. What are we talking about? Beauty, we'll stay on the links. Eight-time PGA Tour winner, four-time major champ Brooks Kevka is reportedly rethinking his career choice and possibly going back to the PGA Tour. Is that a pigeon or peacock move? Well, I mean, he might want to go back to the PGA Tour, but yeah, I don't think there's, uh, you know, I don't think they're too keen to welcome him back, considering 
he spurned them. And I don't know where this report came from. You got to send this to me. I've not seen that. But um, if Kepka wanted to return to the PGA Tour, that would be a big time pigeon move because he's, he's not good anymore. He's not good anymore. I hate yeah. to break it to you. He can't compete with those guys. You know where he can compete? On the live tour against Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter. Stay there, Brooks. That's the only shot you have of winning right now. Yeah, look, this is a pigeon move from Kepka, too, because the PGA was adamant when players decided to cross the line. If you cross the line, you will be banned forever. Don't think about coming back. And I don't know ultimately how this all plays out if Liv ends up folding or, you know, ends up falling off the face of the earth and what those golfers do and, and if the PGA reconsiders. But right now, I don't think the PGA's feeling sorry for anybody that's there. They ha- they're in no position to welcome anybody back, including Brooks Kepka. So, Brooks Kepka, you were the peacock. You took the money. Take the money and run and go enjoy your supermodel life with your supermodel wife. That's ultimately what you've got to do, and that's it. He got paid what a hundred mil to go to the to the live tour. Yeah, probably something like that. Like, he's fine. He's fine. Yes. He's got his frosted tips, and that's all he's worried about right now: the hair and trying to figure out his putting. Uh, both major issues for one Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Let's go to the ice. Guess what I saw on the ice last night? It was a catfish in Nashville. It's been a while yep. since that has happened. And you're a fan at a hockey game. Is it a pigeon or peacock move to whip objects on the ice (laughs) while the game is in motion? (laughs) Well, that is definitely a pigeon move to throw anything on the ice. But if you're the person, you're kind of viewing yourself as a peacock doing that because you're getting the attention. People are going to know that you're the pigeon. That threw the object on the ice. And look, catfishes have become popular in Nashville. We saw it through their playoff run where it was a sign of good luck to throw catfish on the ice. But do it after a win, after the game, not in the middle of the play. Come on, man. That's an absolute pigeon move. Give yourself a – give your head a shake. Come on, you pigeon. I wonder how that works. Like, I remember back in the day, remember when Detroit, they used to throw the the octopus. Octopi, octopus on the ice. And I read that people like tape them to their bodies in order to, to get like, through keep security them, to get through security, and then they threw them on the ice. You know, when like Brendan Shanahan scored the game winner or whatever. Like, is that what they're doing with the catfish? Or are they more accepting of of allowing that? Because I think it's a pigeon move if you're Could you taping a catfish to your to your person a and sitting smelly, through slimy oh. catfish Ugh. being taped to your body. Imagine you sitting in your seat beside a random couple and a random couple is just like oh do you smell that what's that odor i can't get that out of my mouth and this guy's sitting next to him and he's like if only she knew i've got a catfish catfish. taped to my body man there's a lot of jokes i can make right now i'm going to hold my tongue josh go ahead (laughs) there are some words you could say listen to this guys this really got me former nba'er NBA Most Improved Player in 2000. Jalen Rose got on a podcast yesterday and said he has to spend a minimum of $100 to get a good haircut. Mm, Is that a pigeon or peacock well, comment? What? See, here's the thing. Jalen Rose, Josh, is really, really rich, I right? So what does he care? What does he care? $100 for a haircut is absurd. And I'm sure there's a number of barber shops 
for men that charge you a hundred bucks. One of my buddies yesterday got a haircut and he decided to like bleach his hair as well for some reason. Say what you will about that. Cost him four hundred and fifty dollars. This guy's an idiot. What? <laughs> yes. I'll send you some pictures of this guy. It's What's not your buddy's name? Ah, uh, we don't need to out him publicly. But in any case, we have to out him publicly. Uh, what do you mean? Hundred dollars. A, a pigeon. Four hundred fifty yeah. bucks. What the hell is he doing? Get a massage and getting a shave. Like what? The, what does that come know. with? Yeah, that's a great question. Four fifty. It's crazy. It's like the hair dye and like styling. Jeez. I don't know. But haircuts have gotten out of control as far as price goes. Even like. I think my haircuts now are like forty six bucks. They used to be like thirty. Yeah. Like I don't know what's going on. Going on fifty dollars for a haircut. I go like God, I'm every three four weeks. You gotta go that to first up really choice, quickly. buddy. First I choice. might have to go to first choice. Thirty dollars haircut. First choice. Yes. Yeah. Even then, I mean, it's crazy. So, but yeah, hundred bucks. Come on, that's a pigeon. Contract. Okay, but again, he says going to get a haircut. Like, what is what does that involve? Like, are you just getting like? Scissor trimmed? Are you getting like you know the old beard trim, the shave job? Like what? What are you getting? It's a good point. I, I remember, dude. There was this place in St. Louis. It was a salon where you literally go in, you get your haircut, and you get a full neck massage, like full neck and head massage, and I, like that was worth every dollar that I paid for it because they used the eucalyptus lotion too when they were massaging your neck and your head and so when they were done you know you had that like fresh feeling that the eucalyptus gives to your skin it was incredible I I woke up from this (laughs) neck massage and I'm thinking to myself am I walking out in paradise because this (laughs) is what my body feels like right now and to me, like that is worth every price that it's that it that they that they charge. Yeah. But if you're just paying a hundred bucks for just a scissor haircut, come on, that's a pigeon move. Absolute Jalen Rose has move. some complicated hair. Like getting like, your hair or my hair or Josh's hair. I mean, not the same as Jalen Rose. He's got all these like different stylings going on there. Maybe the hundred dollars is appropriate for him. So West writing in. It costs thirty dollars for his four-year-old to get a haircut. Oh these my days. god! Jeez, <laughs> four-year-old haircut—that is setting up the chair in your kitchen, and basically getting the squirt bottle, squirting his hair, and cutting your hair, cutting the kid's hair on the, on your own, isn't it? Does Does Gina cut your kid's hair or or Leo's hair? No, she or do you, takes them somewhere. Her, she takes them to her. Um, st- haircut girl, whatever yeah. you call us, salon. <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, what yeah, you. No. What do you what no, do you call no, it? Hairdresser. Hairdresser. Hairdresser, yeah. Thanks. Yes. Yes. Uh, by the way, Jeff writing in 105050, you put the catfish or octopus in a Ziploc bag, then cling wrap it to your torso under your clothes. Jeez. There would probably be some smell. Sounds like, this guy is, sounds like this guy's an expert at doing Yeah. Things. Jeff <laughs> from Toronto, I know what you're up to in Nashville or Detroit. Aka, so, have you ever had one of those haircuts where you get the full, like, Head massage after head and neck massage. I have not, but I'm very. Does intrigued. that do those places exist in Toronto? Because I would love to know if if they do. Like, because <laughs> I with eucalyptus. Like, it's 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 the game changer when you do the eucalyptus sort of eucalyptus. lotion on it. Yes. Mm. yes, we had some lavender spray from our friend Leanne who dropped that off in the studio for us, mm. and lavender. now we're on to you you eucalyptus. Get on my head. Yeah, <laughs> come on, twenty. Uh, you're sleeping, man. No, <laughs> Give us the cardio, <laughs> Josh. What else? What else we got? So we talked about in the first hour, two-time Super Bowl champ Travis Kelsey making his Saturday Night Live hosting debut on March fourth, 
And as a pure entertainer, is this a pigeon or a peacock move? Oh, this is absolutely a peacock move by Travis Kelsey. Everything this guy is doing in his post-Super Bowl celebrations has been a peacock move because Mm -hmm. he's not shy to let the whole world know how he feels and what his life is like. So going on Saturday Night Live, that is the ultimate stage to showcase your personality. Well, he's already won the whole world because of some of the personality he's already shown through his football career. So this is an absolute peacock move. Look what it did for Peyton Manning's career. And, and you know, allowing people to see the fun. It's a good point. The 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 the, the fun. What are you very alter ego of 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 who Peyton Manning is? Like Pete Manning's a hilarious person. Why do you think he does the ESPN? Uh, what do you call it? Manning um, cast. The, the Manning cast. cast now. Guy's an absolute beauty, and I think Travis Kelsey's going to be an absolute beauty on Saturday Night Live too. It allows you to showcase your personality. You're spot on, and I think everybody knows Travis Kelsey's personality is awesome. I mean, the guy's a super cool dude. He's yeah. so funny, and I'm almost curious if his post-playing career will be more successful than his actual playing career, which is ridiculously successful to begin with. I mean, this guy could be one of the best broadcasters, analysts on the planet immediately because he's such an engaging personality and brings so much energy to the table. Love Travis Kelsey. Yes. That will be the only time I watch Saturday Night Live. I can guarantee <laughs> it. And I'll probably just try to catch the highlights on YouTube. Uh, let's yes. be honest. Josh, I think we got time for maybe one more here, or are we out of time? What do you think? Uh, we can go. We can do a quick one here, a final one. It was debuted yesterday. Kevin Durant spoke with the Phoenix Suns. He is mm-hmm. absolutely excited to lead this franchise. To a possible championship, join the likes of Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. The list goes on in Phoenix. And on the Brooklyn Nets side, shipping Kyrie out, shipping Kevin Durant out, do you think this is a pigeon or peacock move for the team's future? Mm. Brooklyn Nets' future? Yeah, for the the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's a peacock move. I really like a lot of the pieces they picked up there. Bridges is a really good player. They got a bunch of draft picks that they can build around their only problem. Their only problem is they're stuck with Ben Simmons for two more years, Biggest 35 million a year. Of all. Biggest pigeon of all. So get rid of him, and then I'll be a lot more optimistic on their future. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, they were they were literally, they had no choice. I mean, they went all in a couple years ago when they decided to make the big splash and bring Durant and Kyrie Irving in, and then in that same season, Sorry, the next season they go and make the trade for 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 Harden and feel like they've got the big three. And what did they play? A total of twenty seven games together. So when they made the move to move on from Harden, they bring in Ben Simmons. He still doesn't play for the group. They finally have everybody healthy this year, and then for some personal reasons, Simmons doesn't play. Kyrie goes on a public rant again and ultimately at some point you got to cut your losses and that's exactly what the Brooklyn Nets did and I think they're better off from it because now they can just focus on building around what they have and building around the future assets that they've accumulated. TSN Hockey Insider Darren Dreger in 10 minutes will fill you in on our favorite wagers for the weekend NBA All-Star Saturday night as well plus the All-Star game as first up rolls on here on this Friday morning. All Request Friday continues here on First Up. This is a request from Tom in London. Give me some loving by Terry Reed. And I'm hoping that Kevin Herter and Mac McClung 
Give me some loving on Saturday nice. and Saturday night. Uh, those I are my Tom. picks. <laughs> those are my picks for NBA All-Star Saturday night. I like McClung to win the dunk contest and Herder to win the three-point contest. Where does McClung play? He's in the G League. He's in the G League. Oh, so that's where the NBA has <laughs> expanded to. They've expanded exactly. to having G League players in the dunk contest. That's awesome. it, buddy. That's it. It's yes. McClung, Jericho Sims, Kenyon Martin's kid, and Trey Murphy the third. Wow. <laughs> Three-point contest is better. Can't uh, wait Damian to get Lillard. one of those jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Damian Lillard's in it. Jason Tatum's in it. Tyrese Halliburton is in it. For some reason, Julius Randle is in it of the Knicks. I mean... Three-point contest for Julius Randle? He is not going to win the three-point contest. I can tell you that. I'm a better three-point shooter than Julius Randle. I think he shoots like 36, 37% from three, but his release is not necessarily conducive to uh, the three-point shootout. So uh, that could be a little bit challenging for him. But we've got the Rising Stars game tonight. Scotty Barnes will be partaking, and we'll see what he's got. I mean, live from Salt Lake City, Utah. What a spot. What a what spot. A spot. Never been. Never yeah. probably will be. Darren Dreger. He's a worldly individual. Maybe he's been to Utah. I can tell you for certain he is dialed into what's going on with regards to the NHL trade deadline two weeks away today. The Leafs are back-to-back this weekend. They play Montreal and Chicago, two games that the Leafs should be winning. We'll talk about that and much more with our TSN Hockey Insider for Leafs Breakfast next. This is Leafs Breakfast. A full off day for the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday after their win on Wednesday night over the Chicago Blackhawks. They've got the Habs tomorrow night, hockey night in Canada, and again, the Blackhawks on Sunday. Welcome back to First Up. Welcome in to Leafs Breakfast, where we always welcome our TSN Hockey Insider on Friday mornings. And on this Friday morning, there's two Hockey Insiders with Carlo Koliakovo oh, <laughs> also on the program. What's going on, Darren? Yeah, you know, just looking outside. I, I don't know what it's like in Toronto, but it's nasty out here near Whitby. Uh, you know, freezing rain, all the good stuff. So it's brutal. It's be an interesting morning. Brutal. I woke up this morning and I saw snow on the ground. I'm like, are we living in a twilight zone or something? Like earlier in the week, okay. we're shorts outside. Like what's going on? Does the weather person just wake up and depending on what side of the bed it wakes up, it just says, yeah, I'm going to throw this weather today. I'm going to throw that weather today. Like, come on. Let's get in a rhythm every here. Day, every day that we go through it is one day closer to uh, spring <laughs> in the golf course, Carlos. Oh, well, yeah, think optimistically. Well said, Darren. Well, I mean, March 3rd is only two weeks away, right? And that, of course, is the NHL trade deadline. I was watching Insider Trading last night where you and Chris Johnston, Pierre Lebrun, you're breaking breaking it all down. And I thought one thing that you had that was really interesting was talking about the St. Louis Blues. And we've been talking about them a ton, right, with O'Reilly and Barbashev and all the guys they might have available from their forward group. But... I mean, the defense, I mean, they've got a ton of really quality, experienced NHL defensemen. How likely it is do you think we'll see some of those guys moved as well? Well, they're not pushing them, but they're definitely listening. And uh, there's there's action around Colton Pareko. Pareko hasn't had as good a season as he was expecting. And obviously, he's got the mega deal in term. Uh, you know, what does he have? Seven years left at $6.5 yeah. annual average. But he's uh, an intriguing dude. Big guy, right shot. So you can 
you could appreciate how he would draw a crowd. Um, but again, that's, you know, we kind of get into a game of semantics here. I just know that, that St. Louis is listening on any one of their defense, and it is an intriguing collection. You know, you've got Falk, you've got Krug, you've got Pareko, you've got Nick Letty. Now, we should qualify, as I did last night, all four of those guys have no trade clauses. So, you know, if St. Louis is going to get to a place where uh, the interest is significant enough that, you know, they're they're able to move one of those guys, well, then they're going to have to engage with the player and see what the player wants to do. I guess for me, I, I like the nucleus of the St. Louis Blues, and we know that Barbashev is likely getting traded, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Noel Achari has, has drawn interest. Um, but how big of a renovation is Doug Armstrong trying to pull off here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to trade all of those guys, but Barbashev and O'Reilly probably are getting traded. I say probably because I, I guess there's still some hope, small or otherwise, that Ryan O'Reilly maybe gets an extension with the Blues. That, that seems a bit of a long shot to me. But if you're moving those guys and then you're moving one of your core defense, that's, that's a renovation. That's a full-on renovation. So St. Louis is going to be an intriguing team to watch moving forward. Yeah, they sure are, Dregs. And um, obviously this week in Toronto there was a lot of buzz uh, that was stirred by a certain insider um, at, at TSN with, in regards to uh, Patrick Kane. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, it was a week ago today, I would imagine, that he commented on the New York Rangers acquisition and he said that it's probably going to be another seven to ten days before he, you know, gives the direction to the Chicago Blackhawks. With the Rangers making their move and us coming close to that deadline, do you expect there to be much change in at least the conversations or at least some of maybe other teams that may be potential destinations for Patrick Kane? Lots of teams that have called Kyle Davidson. Uh, Kyle Davidson doesn't have all the information yet. That that needs to be supplied by Papersan, the agent for both Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves. And out of respect to those two players, they haven't got to that place yet. And that should happen in the very near future. I would say the next five days, maybe a week, uh, the longest. And then you're then then you're going to have some legitimate targets to hit on here. You know, do these players want to be traded? Well, it sure sounded like Patrick Kane wanted to be traded to the New York Rangers. That was pretty obvious based on this right. comment. Are we so sure that Jonathan Taves wants to be traded? I'm not. I mean, he, you know, he's not saying a bunch. Um, you know, maybe they want part of their legacy with the Chicago Blackhawks organization to be, you know, they, they gave back at the end and they allowed the organization some quality pieces, I would suggest. I mean, you know, you're not getting those two guys as star players in the National Hockey League for next to nothing. But it's complicated because it's not going to be a list of three, five, seven teams. It just won't be. You know, Patty Kane is going to say, okay, here's the team, or here are the two teams I'm willing to go to. Uh, Jonathan Taves, same thing, same thing. So Davidson is, is handcuffed here a little bit, but he's fine with that. Again, given the legacy, everything that these players have brought to the city of Chicago and the organization, whatever they want is what they deserve, and that's what they're going to get. Um, but, look, I mean, there's also some, some fear factor here, fellas, right? You know, if, if you get Patrick Kane the way he's playing right now, he's still a very good player, but people know that he's not 100% healthy. 
He's not close to 100% healthy. So unless you're getting him at a low cost, you know, if we're talking about Toronto here, um, it's a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge because you want to respect the history of the player, the resume of the player, and, and look in the future and in the present and see what he can bring to your team. But you do also have to be mindful of the pieces that would have to go out and also be aware that if that hip flares up, what happens if he goes down before the playoffs? I mean, you yeah, can you risk that with any player. 2.0. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. Yeah. Darren, Darren, let me ask you this. Uh, Darren Dreger, our guest, and this is maybe like deep in the, uh, the dark web of Maple Leafs Nation, but is there a way <laughs> in which Chicago could put Kane on LTIR, trade him to the Leafs, and then the Leafs could activate him for game one of the playoffs? This was something that they did with Kane in the past for playoff runs, right? When he had to yeah. get the collarbone injury. Is that legal in the CBA? Yeah, like I, you can trade uh, injured players, so I don't know why that wouldn't be legal. But are you willing to take that gamble? Like, so do you think magically Pat Kane is, is going to be okay <laughs> for the playoffs? I mean, if if the if if the hip is that significant as some think it is, you're not correcting that problem by sitting out for a month. You're correcting that problem surgically, <laughs> and then months. you know he's, he's, he's coming back, <laughs> you know, ready for training camp. So. I don't know what you're smoking this morning, AK, mm. but you better mm. add another dose because it's not firing. <laughs> he okay. just planted a seed in a lot of the fan- yeah. armchair fantasy GMs in Toronto. Yeah, you know, that, it's, Ooh, a, it's a LTIR. Then we L-T-I-R. got more cap space to work with. Let's go. Exactly. Wow. You can add Kane and whoever else you want. Gavrikov, bring, him, bring in whoever. But as far as the other guy in this equation, that's Jonathan Taves. He has not played since January 28th. He's out with some kind of illness. What is going on with Taves? Yeah. Do you think that affects the likelihood that he's moved? Well, it has to, right? It's, it's mysterious again. Um, you know, of course, we all remember how much time he missed the last time and uh, the cloak of secrecy, which, you know, I, I think most of us were okay with. I mean, it's his personal health. So, you know, it's out of respect to, to Jonathan Taves, um, he can manage that the way he sees fit. But I would wonder from Tabe's perspective, not just from a club standpoint, you know, you look around the National Hockey League and how many playoff-ready teams or, look, a team like Colorado who's not locked into a playoff spot yet, you know, the, the questions of Landis Gog and when he's going to be ready to come back. I think a lot of us could see uh, the, the Avalanche insert an experienced center. You know, a, a number two guy pretty quickly there. And there are other teams that definitely would have interest in Taves. Like, I, I read the local media in Winnipeg, and, you know, it's a bit of a romantic story that Taves would come home back to Manitoba. Not sure it's a great fit, but, you know, if you're Winnipeg, of course you have to consider a, a top-end veteran experienced player like that. Health is the primary concern right now. That's why I kind of couched what I said earlier in lumping in Taves with Kane because – Patrick Kane has come out to say he was disappointed Tarasenko got traded to the Rangers, which implies that he's had lots of time to consider this, and he's thinking trade. We haven't heard that yet from Jonathan Taves. I don't think directly anyway. So maybe this illness is enough for him to to reconsider what he wants to do for the rest of the season, and it's definitely giving teams that would have had interest or do have interest pause worrying about what's going on there. Dregs, there were some certain fires that uh, needed to be put out in uh, Calgary last night with the Flames because 
you know, Daryl Sutter comes out, he criticizes his goalie. There's people that came out publicly and said that the things are too negative in in Calgary with the Flames. And yeah, it's yeah, hard for players yeah. to move on from that. What do you think is going on in Calgary, and what do they do to help fix the whole, um, you know, reshuffling of the identity yeah. of this team? Because it just seems like no matter how good they play, how bad they play, Daryl Sutter is always coming out and being negative about this team. Yeah, well, look, I, you know, I watched that post game this morning after seeing the Allen Walls tweet. Um, I, I'm not defending Daryl, but that seemed as vanilla as you're going to get from Daryl. You're right, Carlo. He, he, he said his goaltending wasn't good enough. He talked about the lack of emotion. He talked about bad penalties. But, I, I mean, he said Rasmus Anderson's first period was no good. But that was just... I, like that was just an honest answer to a player who's just coming back into the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. So I I didn't think it was heaped with negativity when you look historically at some of the things that Daryl has said post-game. This one was... Well, uh, you know, you game. go back to the Peltier playing his first yeah, game yeah, and, yeah. you know, him yeah. taking a shot at the kid and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Well, look, it's it's one of the things I've admired about Walsh for a long, long time. Uh, the agent for Jonathan Huberto is that he just vehemently defends his clients and fights for them, right? Mm-hmm. So whether this was specific to the experience that Huberto is having in Calgary or just a, a general statement, um, you know, I, I guess we'll have to wait for Alan to, to clarify or see if there's any reaction coming from the Flames. But I'll tell you this, fellas. The one thing that Brad Treloving has always said, and many managers will acknowledge this, is you'd better like your team going into the season because it's almost impossible to correct or fix in season because of the salary cap, right? Great. Um, you know, as Florim <laughs> Balji talked with Treloving about yesterday on TSN, uh, you know, of course Treloving would like to add a scoring forward. He's been looking for that piece for a long, long time. Good luck finding that piece. Mm-hmm without giving up future assets that you just don't want to give up. The chemistry experiment this season in Calgary hasn't worked. It just hasn't. And it's been amplified because of sketchy goaltending. It really has. So yeah. I'll tell you this, fellas. Like I, I, when I look at, at how this season might end, if the Calgary Flames drift up in the playoffs, don't make the playoffs, there's going to be bigger changes coming. I mean, that goes without saying. Oh, it's just unlikely. in time for Trade Center. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it's going to happen that soon. I, you know, I'm oh, saying end okay. of season because, you know, Trilliving's been ex- an expiring contract. Daryl Sutter is the only guy there in hockey operations with hands on. I'm talking about the coaching staff and management with a contract. Wow. Like the assistant coaches don't have contracts for next year. Uh, Brad Trilliving doesn't have a contract for next year, but Daryl Sutter. Uh, negotiated apparently his deal with the ownership, so it's a it's a bizarre situation in Calgary. Pieces just don't seem to fit. Maybe they'll bring Jamie McLennan back to the Flames organization. Maybe he's the missing piece. Uh, he'll join us in about an hour. Dregs, quickly, we've got about 90 seconds left. Pierre Dorian, the GM of the Senators yesterday, says there's no, tra- no, no chance they will trade pending restricted free agent Alex Dabrinkit, someone they acquired from Chicago last offseason. Like, have there been significant contract talks between the two sides, and does that surprise you that Dorian wouldn't even consider moving him before the deadline? It doesn't surprise me because AK is an RFA, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you still control his future. Um, and then you have to look at the, the, the price that the Ottawa Senators play, paid to the Chicago Blackhawks. 
to acquire Alex Dabrinkit. I don't think that there's been any meaningful dialogue between Dorian and Jeff Jackson, who represents Dabrinkit. At uh, least last time I checked, which wasn't that long ago, there there really wasn't. That doesn't mean that there isn't a future for Dabrinkit in Ottawa. It just means maybe he wants more time. Uh, and I think we can respect that, can't we? I mean, you yeah. can look at the, the, the good pieces in Ottawa, and we had one of them on the Rain Drakes podcast, Tim Stutzler, yesterday. Man, that kid is so much fun on the ice, off the ice. So the future does look bright, but Alex Dabrinkit has to figure out if he sees that future in Ottawa, and if he doesn't, no different than Pierre-Luc Dubois in Winnipeg. You know, RFAs have never had more clout than they do in today's NHL. So why would you panic into uh, a contract extension unless you're absolutely certain that that's where you want to play your foreseeable future? Yeah, there's not many 24-year-olds who scored 40 goals in the no. NHL and you know a trade in the trade market and to bring it. Clearly not one of those with Ottawa. Darren, have a fantastic weekend. Anything big shaking in the Dreger household over the the long family day weekend? No, no, we're on call. We are on call. It's trade deadline. Uh, nice. in the, Break in a the trade for us, Dregs. Break a trade uh, for us. I'd, I'd love to, but we'll see. I mean, there's always something going on the weekend. <laughs> I might go to a Jenny's game tomorrow, in fact. I think golf is in Oshawa, so I'll probably do that. Nice. OHL. I got got the OHL game tonight, uh, CHL and TSN. It is the sarniest thing at London London Nights. Yes. Watch my boy Ryan Winterton. A beast. Yes. The Seattle Kraken. And he was a big part of the Hamilton Bulldogs uh, run last year. He was. Yeah. The OHL (laughs) championship. Uh, Thank you for this, Darren. Have a great weekend. We'll chat with you, I guess, maybe on Tuesday. All right, guys. Be well. See you, pal. TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. I'd love to. I'd love to break a trade. Unfortunately, (laughs) there are no trades to break. And I'm always so curious. You talked about this yesterday. I think it's such a great point. The life of the hockey insider, even the NBA insider, just like before the deadline. Like, how is Dreger just texting every agent he knows? Hey, anything? (laughs) Got anything for me, please? It's really amazing, like, how these guys could be sitting, you know, cooking a barbecue for their family and they get a text from a certain source saying hey we just made this trade and boom fireworks get lit it's the first one and to think like if he's getting that like think of how many people try to be insiders and not not try to be are insiders and try to be insiders you know with scoops that they get and the information they release and it just creates a big snowball and it's it's the race okay you know, is the trade true? Who's part of the trade? What are the details of the trade? It's like within minutes between one to ten people, you're finding out all the details. It's crazy. And you, and you got to be first, crazy. right? It's you all about who be, you know. It's all about who you, you know. Got, you want to – well, you got to be first, but mo- most importantly, you got to be right. Being and, right is the most important thing. you can't be last either. <laughs> well said. Well said. Jamie McLennan in 45 minutes from Overdrive. Do you see those guys – Exchanging their jackets yesterday, Hayes and O'Neill. That was some gold right there between those two. Uh, We'll get Jamie's thoughts on that and on the team he used to play for and work for in the Calgary Flames, who, man, tough night there. Uh, On the other side, the Blue Jays open spring training. The Leafs, a couple of games this weekend, including Montreal and Chicago, Saturday and Sunday, hour number three of First Up on the way next.